Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. Now, today's episode is one that I'm really excited about. I cannot wait to introduce you to our guests, Taylor and Zach Estes. These are some folks that I've gotten to know over the last few months, and the topic is more important than ever. So for a while now, I've been wanting to do an episode on finances 101. And I know that right now it's like, that sounds like the most boring thing in the world. But the truth is that whether you're a business owner or not, this is something that you have to understand because it's going to make you super, super valuable to whatever company you're a part of down the road. And I think the truth is in our industry, while intellectually we might have a basic understanding of finances, like obviously, you know, a business needs cash to operate. We know what debt is. We understand terms and things like that. The truth is that when it comes to practice, most businesses are lacking. So in today's conversation, what I really wanted to do is lay out a blueprint of, you know, what do we need to understand about finance if we're going to be effective and how do we turn that into a scoreboard? So one of the things that Taylor and Zach talk about is the idea that pairing up with people who take care of your books is really important because they'll build you a framework that you can use like a dashboard to operate your business. As I've gone across the country and talked to businesses over the last couple of years, one common thread that I see is that they don't have a scoreboard established. So if you were to ask the question, how much revenue are you expecting to do in the next quarter? A lot of businesses wouldn't know. If I was asked the question, how much revenue are you planning on capturing this month? A lot of businesses wouldn't know. And A lot of these businesses work hard, they make really good money, but because there's not a dashboard of understanding where are we trying to go and where have we been, it makes it very difficult to plan ahead for situations and everything becomes reactive. When you can understand your financial scoreboard as a business, it allows you to see things differently where you can start to take action proactively. You can look and see, oh man, We've got X amount of dollars coming up in installations over the next two and a half months. I think we better hire another crew. Or, hey, last year we had 15% more revenue predicted at this point in the year. We need to figure something out. Maybe we need to offer a sales promotion. Maybe we need to get together as a team to figure out how are we going to get more service calls. Worst case scenario, maybe we need to lay somebody off. But these are decisions that are made proactively. And If you're running around in your business feeling like you're always getting punched in the gut and always getting hit from every different direction, I would say that a lot of the time it might be because you don't have a scoreboard in place to actually look and see how you're doing. So we talk about that. In this episode, we also get into the idea of managing cash flow and debt. And Zach says something that is so profound that I want you to listen for, but he talks about the idea that debt makes you go faster but it doesn't make you drive better. And this is something that is so tempting. I think back to when I was playing music in a punk rock band and I was always dead broke. You know, we're sleeping on van floors in parking lots and, you know, in people's houses and we didn't have any money. And so I remember this classic situation where we sold a bunch of our t-shirts, 
but we owed some of that money to the person that had fronted us to get the t-shirts. And we were left with the choice, you know, hey, are, can we, are we going to pay back this money or should we take it and double down and invest in more t-shirts? The band was doing good. We're playing all these shows and we're like, well, you know what? Let's double down and take the money that we owe and invest it in more t-shirts because then we'll be able to make even more. We'll be able to pay them back on the same terms, but we'll have a lot more profit dollars to invest in more stuff for the band. Well, the problem is we invested all this money into more t-shirts and we decided to cut some corners and actually screen print them ourselves, which was a disaster. <laughs> we ended up ruining the t-shirts and we still owed the money to those people. So because we took on that debt, we sold those shirts. We we're able to go faster, but we didn't drive any better. And we made some pretty big mistakes with the way that we handled our money. We're going to jump into all of that in this conversation. And at the end of it, they're going to talk about what you need to be thinking about if you are getting your business ready to sell. So with that in mind, I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Zach and Taylor are doing amazing things, helping small businesses out with their finances. And I know you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. Joining me from Nashville, Tennessee, are the owners of Barncat Financial. I'm joined by Taylor and Zach Estes. How's it going, guys? Hey, Tim. So good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, my pleasure. Taylor, it's good to see you too. Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, I'm excited about this, and I think it's going to be really cool getting to chat with you guys today because, you know, Zach, we connected probably pushing six, seven months ago now, and it's been awesome getting to know you, but I'm excited about the company that you and Taylor started. So basically, you guys are helping small businesses with their finances, and I want to get to that, but but first, I want to I want to tee you up, Taylor. I know that you're the brains of this outfit, and I want to tee you up to ask, you know, why is understanding finances so important for a business owner right now? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and as we've been thinking about it, we just really think that finances are the backbone of any business. And it's really easy for businesses to fail if your financial management and even your bookkeeping systems um, aren't healthy. And so usually people don't start a business because they want to keep books. Yeah. Um, usually they have a great idea. They have a great product. Um, so that means that at best, um, Bookkeeping can be a chore for them, but at worst, they'll ignore their financial situation or yeah. even push that off. We, we had kind of had a couple conversations around this that like the finances, the money of a business, of a small business in particular, is the scoreboard for that business. And so, you know, if, if you're watching a football game play out or a basketball game play out, the people on the, on the floor, on the field, aren't um, sitting there trying to game out what's happening on the scoreboard, but rather trying to get in the tactics of playing that game out, playing the quarter, playing the play, trying to get a first down, trying to get a touchdown. Um, and that results in a game being played well. And so in business, whenever you have someone who can kind of facilitate that conversation as here's what the scoreboard's telling you, then you can make better decisions on what you need to do on your play-by-play. That is such a good analogy. So like literally I just got back from a trip working with some dealers and one of the biggest things that we were talking about with them was how do you start to set up a scoreboard, right? Like I, I love what you said that like when, when I'm playing basketball 
at the park, I got to remember the score in my head. And like, that's super frustrating because you forget it and you argue about it. Right. I think that's how a lot of businesses are. But what you're saying is like when the scoreboard takes care of itself and you're not thinking about like, is the scoreboard working properly? Like, wait, what was the score? It totally changes the way you play the game. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that analogy. It's really, really good. Yeah, for sure. So, so with that, I mean, I, I think that in, in our industry, there's a lot of small businesses that they might make a lot of money top line and like maybe the owner or manager, you know, between what they pay themselves, the expenses that may or may not be on the level that they run through the business and what's left over afterwards, like, you know, there might be a, a good yearly salary in there, but there's actually not that many businesses that have actually drawn up the scoreboard and they let the scoreboard tell them what the health of the business is. Can you just talk about like, what do most business owners miss when it comes to managing the finances of their business? So I think overall, um, the biggest miss that I see um, is that people don't realize that financial management is actually doable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I can get so excited about like this business and what we're, what we're talking about, because it's super important to me that business owners learn and know that they are capable of having a positive impact on their finances and on their business. Um, because it seems like this big, scary thing. Um, people don't want to put their hands on it. People don't want to sit down and really think about where the business is going financially. But really, if you can run a business, you are capable of managing your money. It's not like business owners aren't smart enough to manage their finances or they aren't able to get this done. Um, but people just get scared and they don't believe in themselves and their ability. And so then that becomes this negative cycle of fear and procrastination. And it just keeps building and building until your finances are this big monster that you don't want to touch. And so we really want to be able to empower people to look at how they're managing their businesses, finances, understand what's going on and realize that they can take control and have control. And then practically what people start to miss um, and what we see is not focusing on cash flow management. Um, so I think that's what you were saying earlier. You yeah. know, you have money coming in and going out. And if it works for the most part, you feel like you don't have to take a deeper look at it, but that can start to get sloppy and cause problems down the road. And then even just not thinking ahead about what systems need to be put in place um, to better manage your finances. So whether that's again, systems for cash management, or even going into like bookkeeping, managing and tracking and storing receipts or invoices, forming a ledger system and formalizing accounting procedures. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, like Taylor really hits on the, the basics of, um, from an accounting perspective, the basics of a business's income and pretty much like outgoing expenses. You have, you have something flowing in and you have something flowing out and then something you know, if you ask kind of from a financial perspective, why did you ever get into business in the first place? The effect there of you didn't want a job, you didn't want a salary, you wanted some sort of financial freedom. Yeah. And so, um, from an accounting perspective, that income versus uh, expenses that's an ROI uh, basic like equation. Um, and so one of the, so, so knowing what your income is, knowing what your top line is, knowing what your expenses are, and then also knowing what the ratio of those two things are. So some sort of metric that gives you a health score, so to speak. So a profit per team member or profit per payroll or revenue per expense. And if that's one, one, well, then you have no profit, right? Like if if everything's incoming and everything's outgoing, 
why are you running a business? Like it, it starts to get into, is this worth your time? Uh, is it a passion project or, or are you wanting to run a business that uh, grows beyond yourself? That's really good. I mean, I've just found that many businesses in our industry, they don't have a clear scoreboard. And it's not always that they manage their business by just the balance in their checking account. But very often, if, if you're so caught in the day to day that you don't have like a tight inventory system, you don't have just like you said, like, like, what, like, if I have service technicians, like, what's my profit per hour that they work, right? What's my yeah. average revenue per job call? What's my average cost per job call? Like these are things that I know listening to this, it can sound intimidating. Like, oh my gosh, like where do I even start? But I love Taylor, like you said that this is actually possible. That like it is possible to get your finances in a place to where you build the scoreboard and you make it to where it starts to keep track of itself. And like building it is tough because you got to figure out all these things. But like once you do, that's when you can actually start to make this business work for you, right? Yeah, we love that. But the the cool thing about like what Taylor does in particular, so her profession is accounting. Um, and so whenever we're thinking about like the books of a business, whenever think about the books of a business, that is like the backend data infrastructure of your business. And so if that's healthy, if someone's working that in a system uh, who's a professional in it, then a dashboard can be built that tells you uh, the player on the field, the coach on the field, Hey, we know exactly what we need to do. I don't have to worry about every single line item as to what's happening until I start to have questions because of what the dashboard's telling me. Yeah. And so, so, you know, you don't want to, you don't want your dashboard being the books that you, you'll never be able to process all of that information. Yeah. Having a strong infrastructure of books that feeds a dashboard is just super key. That's awesome. And I've heard you talk about, um, like how you support running off of a fixed pricing system um, and how that really em empowers Salesforce to go out and make business happen and make good sales. Um, and I think that's just a really good example of when you know, when you know your finances, when you know how your business is running and when you know what you need and can offer financially, um, that, that just really helps you as the business owner. It helps everyone you employ because then people really know what's going on with the business, what they're able to do, how they can help. Um, and then you're all working together instead of being unsure if, if the business is running well, if we can sell product for this much, if we can actually make money doing this job or not. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I want to go here next. So I want to get really practical and talk about like, if you were going to just, just teach like a finance 101, you know, you got a business owner that maybe, you know, things have been out of control. Let's just say that they're doing million to a million and a half bucks a year top line. They've got five to 10 team members somewhere in there. And this business owner's thinking, okay, like I, I got to start thinking seriously about my finances. Like where, where would you start? Like where, where would finances 101 start? So Zach already said it, but when you bring it down to the actual basics, you just really need to start by tracking your income and tracking your expenses. And that sounds, you know, completely basic. Um, and that can get more complex, especially with the bigger businesses. But no matter how you're doing it, that's where you really need to start. You have to know exactly what's coming in. You have to know exactly what you're spending and what you're spending it on. And so whether that's a very small business um, that doesn't rely as much on technology and they're keeping track in a physical ledger or someone using Excel, other desktop-based programs, or even up through um, like cloud accounting, there's a lot of really good options out there. But 
you need to be tracking your income, tracking your expenses. Obviously, yeah. keeping a separate bank account is a good place to start. Like if we were really talking about someone who just started a business, yeah. we would always suggest having a separate bank account, making sure to keep records separate between your personal finances and the business finances. You can use apps or those desktop programs to track and store invoices and receipts. And then we would say having a good set of financials. But what you're basically wanting to get with this is you want to see your profits and your losses. You want to know how the cash is coming in and where it's going out, the money that's staying in your business, and then also what you own and what you owe. So assets and liabilities, but that's basically just telling you what does my business own and then what do we owe other people? Yeah, that's super good. Whenever like whenever I hear like, coming from Taylor, if we zoom out 30,000 feet, what she's saying is that we need to understand what current state is. Where are we? What is the financial health of this business as as it is in the past X number of months or maybe even years? You, you want to end up setting a goal at some point. Like, where are we going? Why are we doing this, right? Yeah. And you can't, you can't get a direction or a goal lined up and targeted and landed without knowing where that current sit is. So, so tracking everything line by line, uh, incoming and expenses, just like Taylor said, and then being able to start running models as far as, and, and, and this is something that your bookkeeping team or your accounting team should be able to do for you. That's what we do for our clients be able to run those models based on current state, true data, and be able to say, hey, here's where you're going. Here's what this looks like. Here's what you can make decisions off of. And again, we totally know that this can sound intimidating and it sounds like a lot of work, especially if you're not used to thinking this way. Um, But what people don't always realize is that most business owners are already thinking about all of these things. It just might not be as formal as what we're laying out and what you're hearing. But if you're running a business, you're probably thinking about all of these things. Yeah, I I totally think so. I want to ask you though, so you mentioned before, like kind of creating that dashboard or that scoreboard. And obviously there's going to be some nuances depending on the industry and everything, but like what are, what are two or three metrics that have to be on this scoreboard that a a business owner is looking at on a regular basis? Yeah. um, I think especially if you're a sales heavy uh, organization where you have sales folks in it, um, getting a revenue up number up there, just funnily enough, that's not always helpful, uh, but it can be motivating. Um, so get a revenue number up there. What is the top line revenue incoming? That's really good to see. Also, depending on how your business operates, maybe there's seasons, maybe it's a certain time of the month as to how, how quickly you're selling. Um, if it's steady, you need some sort of, so if I go back to that ROI metric, you need some sort of the I. What's the I? How much are how much is outgoing? How much is expenses? Normally people choose to, some sort of payroll or number of full-time employee hours. So if I'm paying, you know, for 10 employees, that's 400 hours a week in a 40-hour work week. So I can see how much revenue came in for those 400 hours. So there's just different things you can play with you, yourself, and your team as far as saying, how much is coming in and how much did we make on the time that we invested in this past week or past month or past year even? Yeah. And then like you said, it is fairly dependent on industry and business. Um, and so if you're looking at a retail business, like you, you might want to look closer at, you know, inventory turnover, but everyone can benefit from looking at some sort of comparison of income and expenses, I would yeah. say. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And it, it is really simple, but I, I do think that there's, you know, a lot of businesses look at like the, the profit and loss statement and that's awesome, but that is the rear view mirror. You know, we're like looking at cash flow and in our revenue, like what's coming in, what are we going to get paid on? What's our backlog of current sales? Like those are things that your, your accounting team can put together for you. And like, you got to look out the front windshield and the back, you know, rear view window as well. We'll get back to our conversation with Taylor and Zach Estes in just one minute. Hey, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you have heard me talk about the Blitz trips that Grant Falco and I are offering, and I want to give you a little bit of insight into this. So we have a limited number of these trips available, but basically what we do is we come into your business and we spend about two and a half days with your company really digging into it. What we do the first night when we fly in is we spend the evening with you and your management team to really work on how does your company function. We, we draw out the organizational chart. We identify pain points. And at a high level, we start to talk about how can we arrange these pieces to work more effectively together. The next day, we spend a full day inside your business going through the warehouse, your showroom, your installation process, your sales team. And Grant and I split up. We interview your team members and we dive deep into really starting to stir things up and get to the bottom of where the issues are and make suggestions. This day is really, it's like a shotgun blast. We're going through everything. Well, that night, what happens is we end up getting dinner. We talk about the results from the day and we narrow everything down to a big three. And that's what the entire last day is dedicated to is we have a big three where Grant and I split up and we tackle each of those three things so that you know exactly what your next steps are as a business. Now, as follow-up to this, we send you a report going through all the strengths and weaknesses that we found, identifying your opportunities, and laying out some things to be thinking about for the next six months. <laughs> By the way, we also secret shop the competition in your area so you have an analysis on how good your experience is compared to the rest of your market. Now, one thing I'll share that's really cool, we recently got back from a trip where we spent some time with a business, and the night before we went in, we went through their organizational chart, and as they started talking about who does what in the company, we started drawing on a whiteboard all the different people and putting a list together of what everyone does. That enabled us to make some observations about where some problems might be in their company. The highest compliment we could have gotten was from their sales manager, and he said, in 45 minutes, you've just told us every problem that we've had for the last three years. And the beauty of it is that now you're able to get above the problem and do something about it. Now, if a blitz trip sounds like something that you want to take advantage of, you can go to itsfiretime.com slash blitz. Now, I'll preface, these are really expensive and they're not for everyone. But if you want to sign up today and have us out to your business to help you take control and get to the bottom of your problems, you can go to itsfiretime.com slash blitz. You know, there's a lot of businesses in our industry that, that think it's necessary to accumulate debt if they're going to run a business. And for instance, like I've, I've worked for companies that have not been able to afford their showroom displays. And so they work with like a flooring company to provide terms to get that stuff on the floor. Can you talk about just debt in general and what should a business owner be thinking about in regards to that? Business isn't a race. Like you're not racing against anyone. It's just this whole idea of debt only makes you go faster. But when you're running, when you're not in a race and you think you're in a race, you're going to trip. You will trip and fall and get injured. 
And so it, it can make you go faster, but you're, you're taking on risk. And we specifically advise against it. But all that to say, we know one of the things that you even say on this is like slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Yeah. Right. That's essentially taking on expenses before you get the revenue. Like you're, you're, you're hoping that revenue is going to come from a investment that you're going to owe towards. And so it's just, it's just not a, a healthy thing to do. It's a very short term play and it can, it can be really risky. Financially, you save money, obviously, when you aren't letting your profit walk out the door to pay debt. So that's the simple answer. But then it's also a good measure to make sure that you aren't outspending your business. So kind of back to what Zach was saying, you don't want to commit to expenses when you aren't sure if you can actually pay that yet. So if you're running slowly, smoothly, you're getting built up at a natural pace, you're less likely to get into trouble than if you're trying to rush everything and use debt to leverage the expenses you want to take on, the expansions you are trying to jump into before you may be ready for that. And so if you count debt out as an option, then that just makes sure that if you can't afford something, you're telling yourself, okay, I really can't afford this. I'm not going to take it on right now, rather than kind of smoothing that over by using debt. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think one of the other things is that uh, not, if you make debt not an option, it makes you learn faster. And so when, we, when you were talking about just like, what are some of the practical things we can think about when it comes to finances for business and you have a dashboard, like if you're not taking on the expense of, you know, I'm going to throw away some money, you're, you're essentially playing this game of I'm going to throw away some money to see if something works and I'm going to owe that money later at, with an interest. If you back up and say, okay, I'm going to slowly invest my profits, my cash into something that I think, uh, into it as an experiment essentially, you, you learn a whole lot faster. And maybe you'll learn at a smaller increment and not as a risky of, a, of an increment, maybe in the four or five digit number instead of a six or seven digit number. Yeah. And the, and the fun thing about that is that that can also help you tactically say, okay, what are my high investment, low return uh, inventory products? Like, what do I have on the shelf that requires a lot of time, a lot of payroll? It may not be expensive itself, but maybe it requires a lot of maintenance. Yeah. But, and it's not giving me a great return. And on the other end, you can then also learn what are the really low investment that gives me a high return on that product. And so, so you can start to float those things in kind of a XY scale of saying, let's start moving everything towards lowering the investment and raising the return yeah. on a rate in which we can afford, not on a rate in which we're going to take on debt. Yeah. You know, that makes total sense. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about like for me personally, me and my wife have been following like the Dave Ramsey, Ramsey principles for a while and thinking back to even when COVID hit. So for me, like I quit my job right at the beginning of it. Uh, I had all these speaking gigs lined up. All of it got canceled. So like, you know, we had to make some, some, just some pivots in what we did, but because we, you know, have not been people that have taken on debt, we had all kinds of freedom that we didn't have to make any panic moves. And so we were able to think really strategically. And I think that sometimes like we separate this between our business and our personal life, right? Where we're like, well, you know, my personal life, like, yeah, I want to pay off my car. I want to pay off my house. So that way I don't owe anybody anything. And, you know, it kind of lubricates some tensions that that would be there otherwise. But with my business, well, if I'm going to start a business, I've got to do this. You know, I've got to go buy a building for, you know, three quarters of a million dollars. And then I got to get a showroom with $200,000 worth of inventory. And like, 
the truth is you don't. And I, I love what you said, man. I wrote this down. Like debt only makes you go faster. That's really good. And, and faster is not necessarily good. I mean, I think it's the difference between growing versus scaling. My friend Grant Falco just said this the other day when we were working with some businesses out in Ohio and Kentucky that that when you build things slowly and intentionally, you can scale. We're like, you, you do a, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, you get this foundation, and then when the market's right, man, you can explode versus growth, which that could just happen because, you know, maybe the economy is really good or there's like some market condition, and that's fine, but like growth in itself doesn't last. But like when you can scale and do it slowly, I think that's where you win. I love that you said that, that debt only makes you go faster. And yeah, I think that, and yeah, go for it. Well, I was just going to go back to, yeah, I love that you're hitting on that again. Business isn't a race. Business isn't a race, period. You're not racing against anyone. Uh, sure, you have competitors. Sure. But that's just kind of a, a game in which you can say, how, how focus on how you can serve your client uh, in the best way possible and the most profitable way possible where they're getting a um, they're getting a huge win that they couldn't ever get from anyone else. Yeah, I love that. Taylor, I want to go back to you and I want to ask you this question. And I think that <laughs> if you're listening to this, man, you might start to get kind of itchy when I ask this question. But what would you say to business owners that currently are running a lot of extra expenses through their business, right? Groceries, gas, kids' private school, vacation homes to try to avoid taxes. This is a super good question because I don't want to talk about it and I don't want to think about it. And so it's, it's a good thing for me to have to think about it. We know that this isn't uncommon for people to do that or to even just want to do that. And I don't think that we are hired to tell business owners whether their moral compass is right or wrong, but I am going to tell someone what I am and am not willing to do. And so this would fall under a business practice that I'm not personally willing to do. And so if, if a business owner doesn't agree with us on that, I think they'd be much happier working with someone else would be my short answer. Yeah. Everyone would prefer to have correct and squeaky clean books and financial records when they realize that someone else is going to take a look at them. Yeah. So whether that's an audit, you know, the IRS comes in and wants to see your records or even if down the line you want to sell the business or bring in another partner, anything like that, you're not the only person that's going to see your records and your financial history. And so when shady things start coming out or when the books are a little iffy here and there, like, was this really a business expense? Was it not? Um, that never looks good when you have extra eyeballs on it. And like you said, if, if people are starting to sweat just hearing the question and thinking about it, it's going to get a lot worse when someone actually has to go through that. Well, and I think about like when someone wants to buy their business, right? There's a lot of people listening to this that are getting a little bit older. They're thinking about selling. So when you're running all kinds of extra expenses through your business to avoid taxes and you're draining down the profits of the business to be as close to even as possible so that you're not having to pay, what's that do to the value <laughs> of your business? Exactly. All of a sudden it looks like your business isn't profitable. It looks like you're not running well. And if you can't operate a profit out of your business, why is someone else going to want to buy your business and run it for themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Something that we, uh, we've always told kind of businesses to think like is that you are, you are two people. You are the person who's running your business and you're also the owner of your business. And so run your business like you owe the owner 
uh, diligent and uh, respectful profit, right? Like treat yourself or treat your business like you're going to sell it regardless if you ever plan on selling it. Yeah. Uh, because then that'll honestly be good for you. That'll be financially profitable for you. But if you ever want to end up selling it, well, then you've already made all that discipline and effort and process-oriented decisions. And That's it adds a layer of accountability to think that way. And so if you're a smaller business where you don't have, you know, you're not running every decision through a board, you're not having to double check with all of these different leaders it just helps add that extra layer of thought for yourself to think, would I want to present this to someone else if I were going to sell down the line? Yeah, totally. So I want to just take that question a little bit further. So there's a lot of businesses listening that are thinking about selling in the near future. They'd love to. What does a business need to be thinking about financially if they want to sell in the next five years or so? So we've already talked about trying to keep your financial records as impeccable as possible, um, but then also it's never too soon to start on business valuation. There are several different models that are accepted across industries, but they do involve calculation and thought, and so it's good to get a handle on that. So a few of the different methods that people tend to use are discounted cash flow, capitalization of earnings, and then either an assets-based or a market-based approach. It can vary which of those is going to be the most applicable or the most helpful for your business. And so that's part of why it's good to start thinking about that. Think about the best way to present your business. And then you would definitely want to document any intellectual property you have. This is where your financial statements and all tax records and filings are going to come in handy too. Because anyone that you sell to is going to want to be able to see behind the scenes of your business, whether that's you know, your business's internal records or what you present to the IRS and your tax filings. And then it's also helpful to find a few other professionals. This will depend, again, a little bit on your industry, the size of your business, how complex your books and your operations are. But what we would typically see is people needing a lawyer, a broker, possibly a valuation accountant if you have a particularly large or complicated business. And so they would just be able to really help you nail down, how do I present my business for sale? What is my business actually worth? And selling a business can take several years on average. And so planning ahead is always prudent and we would recommend it. Yeah, it's really good. I want to I want to pivot here as we close out. So you guys are a husband and wife team, and I, I seriously think that that is awesome. And I, I want to ask you just a non-finance question, but just as you guys have gone on this venture, what have you learned about each other and what's it done for your relationship doing this together? There's a lot of people listening that like it's husband and wife teams that are running stores, and, and I want them to, to take heart and just be encouraged by what you guys are finding. Getting already knew about each other and our relationship that we maybe hadn't put words to before. And so if there's a spectrum from starters to finishers, Zach would lean more towards starter and I lean more towards finisher. And then also just the, I don't know, all of the little stereotypical details of our relationship really come out. Zach's Mm -hmm. more of a big picture guy. He's really great at dreaming up ideas and he loves that. I'm more of a concrete thinker. I love details. I don't I don't sit there and just come up with different ideas all the time like Zach does. Yeah. And so he's definitely pulled me along much more quickly with this business than than I feel comfortable with. And I think I've probably slowed him down a few times. But it's also been pretty fun to work on the same thing for once and like yeah. dream in the same direction because 
our day-to-day work is very different and we're not normally in the same headspace as each other. And so it's been a fun experiment to think about the same things, plan together, work on the same thing. Yeah, uh, it's been it's been super fun. Taylor's totally right. Like the, it, I've noticed myself and even her kind of leading me towards uh, being more detail-oriented, being more yeah. process-focused as far as my own tactics and how I execute my role within the business. But then also me being able to influence her and saying, hey, where are we going? What are we doing? What are we doing this for? Uh, what does this look like three to five years out? And that's setting kind of visions and goals for where we want to go within our own household, but also within this business. That's awesome. And as we were preparing for this interview, so Taylor, I heard through the grapevine that you're an Enneagram one. And we've talked about the Enneagram just a little bit on the podcast, but for anybody listening that's not familiar with it, you can do a Google search for Enneagram and it's a personality type rabbit hole that you can spend years in. But I love that because so I'm, I'm married to an Enneagram one who is a finance controller. And as I've, you know, I've known Jessica for, for years and years and years, but truly like with her personality type, like that is the only personality type that I would want running my books. Like I would not want me running the books of our company. And I, I love this. And I want to just ask you like, how is that mentality and that, and maybe you can even explain a little bit about your personality, but but how has this helped you become an excellent accountant? And, you know, what should people be thinking about as far as like the personality type of the accountant that they hire? Yeah, that's an awesome question and super fun too. So they call the Enneagram one, what I've heard the most is either the perfectionist or the reformer. The reformer sounds a little bit more fun than the perfectionist does, but I think (laughs) both are accurate. And I don't know. I'm a very stereotypical introverted type A Enneagram one accountant. And I think you see that a lot. I've worked with a lot of people who would say that that's true of themselves. And I just have like, I have a natural focus on details, organization. I really love for things to be right. I like to do things correctly. If I'm going to do something, I want to do it well. I don't really see any point in doing something halfway or getting into a job and doing it until it's kind of finished and then just shrugging my shoulders and going on with my day. That would drive me crazy whether or not it's, you know, caught by someone else or seen by a boss or something like that. I'm not okay with that for myself. And so I think that that really helps with accounting. It helps keep me on track. When I was a five-year-old little kid, my very favorite thing to do was alphabetize our family's bookshelf like <laughs> every day or every week, which isn't, you know, that's not something you That really was not share. my favorite thing to do. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I was the dumb one dragging his knuckles on the ground and climbing trees and falling and breaking legs. Yeah. That's not really something that you share on a first date or anything, but I think it does really help when it comes to a detail-oriented profession like accounting you don't you don't necessarily want someone who's super great at the big picture type work yep when you need every line of your ledger to be exactly what it's supposed to be and um just to comment like i'm the complete opposite uh personality and so getting to see my wife kind of work in her sweet spot of of it's so weird to see someone who enjoys this so much. Like she loves helping people essentially reconcile their ledger, right? Like get their finances under control. Like that, 
she lights up whenever that happens. Uh, so it's super, it's super fun to be able to see that. Well, I think what you're, what you're hitting is so cool. And like, for me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fresh into owning a business as well. And it's amazing when you start working with or hiring people that have strengths where you have weaknesses. And like, it's easy to say like, oh yeah, I'm weak at this and someone else is strong in this. But to think like, for me, there's people that genuinely enjoy doing the things that I don't like to do and that I'm bad at. Like they, they enjoy it in the same way that I love doing the stuff that I do. And that's, that synergy is just amazing when you can find it. And it makes me like, it makes me feel just amazed and humbled that like there's people that, that like this stuff. And I think it almost feels too good to be true that like, no, like, like there's mm-hmm. no one that can help me with this. There's no one that can do this. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's really cool to hear that Taylor. Cause I think that your personality type is geared perfectly for this. And, you know, for a lot of people that, that maybe they don't have a full-time accountant employed, maybe they use a bookkeeper that loves to go skydiving on the weekends and, you know, plays fast and loose in their personal life. And that's the approach they take to your books. Like it's not what you want. Like you want your, you want your accountant to to be somebody that has an eye for the details and that's extremely trustworthy. I know that that's something that comes with being an Enneagram one, but it's really important because the truth is that you are trusting them with the health of your business and that can't be done lightly. Yeah. And integrity. I think integrity plays a big part there. Yeah. Being able to say, here's the honest current state actually, and and here's what we can do about it. And it's not, it, you know, uh, when I think about Taylor in particular, but also just how we operate at Barncat, that integrity factor is, is kind of our core value, really. It's one of our core values as to something that we hold on to because people, you know, there are, there are different types of business owners. And if you're not the CFO type of business owner, then you're probably not worried about your finances as, as yeah. much as that type of person would be. And so like having a partner who has the utmost integrity um, about your finances is, is extremely important. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I want to just ask you guys as we round out here. So what services do you offer specifically for small businesses and how can people get in touch with you? We offer a range of services starting with bookkeeping and then going up through virtual CFO services. So that can start with tracking income and expenses. That's basically what we would say bookkeeping is if you really drill it down. Um, And then we can add AP, AR, payroll services as needed. And then that would go up through providing financial oversight and management, and then also planning and forecasting. So we would say that bookkeeping is more taking a look at the present or even the past state of the business. And then a virtual CFO is looking more at the future of the business, planning, forecasting, and also can zoom back out and look a bit more at the bigger picture. So you're not just dialed in on an income line and an expense line, but you're also really helping the business owner plan for the financial future of their business. Yeah. And, and then so, just as far as reaching out to it, to us, just being able to go to barncatfinancial.com and you can schedule a discovery call with us. Well, I love it guys. And, and I mean, everything you've been talking about here, like a business could call you up and you could literally start to help them build the scoreboard. Like that's unbelievable. Totally. I mean, I, I sounds simple, but like you don't have to do this alone. Like you can partner with somebody and they can build you the scoreboard. And I know for me, like I'll just tell a little story here to end it. But, you know, before I got married, like I was a wreck financially, you know, I was playing guitar in a punk rock band and I made decent money, but I was spending it like it was going out of style. And so I I get married, you know, by God's grace to this accountant. And all of a sudden, like my life changes. And if you would have asked me, you know, 10, 15 years ago, like, 
is it possible to be secure in your finances? I would have said no way. Like no way. I mean like everybody's broke. Like this is just the way that life is. And I'll tell you like it didn't happen overnight, but man, like you start making small steps in the right direction. Like dude, life starts to change. Yeah. And I'll say for anybody listening to this, it might seem like this is so far out of reach. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, they're talking about a scoreboard. It's not possible. I'm, I'm always just trying to like figure out how to make payroll next month. Like, no. Like if you start doing the right things now, bit by bit by bit by bit, and you look back like two, three, four years from now, like man, you are going to be running a different company and living a different life. Yeah, that's so fun. It's that that pumps me up. You even just saying that for sure. Uh, both Taylor and I get really excited. Um, it's extremely motivating. You're exactly right. Like if if you think about cleaning out your closet, oh, like it's so annoying. It's it's super frustrating. You got to take it out lay it all out, say what the current state is. But then once you actually do the hard work and say, okay, what if I get a partner with me, be able to say, um, let's, let's really organize it for where you're going and what your future is and where you want to go. It gets extremely motivating and you can just move a whole lot faster. Awesome. Well, Hey, you guys brought a ton of value and I'm super stoked that you're here. Thanks a ton for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Tim. Thanks Appreciate so much, it. Tim. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Taylor and Zach Estes. I'm telling you, that was absolute gold. And I want to review some of the things that we discussed. I mean, number one, cash flow is so important. And the truth is that many businesses in our industry are not monitoring their cash flow the way that they need to, that that it is so important to have an understanding of how much cash flow are you bringing in on, on a monthly basis? How does that pertain to the bills that you have to pay to when your payroll comes in? And you cannot manage your business by looking at the balance of the checking account. You have to be more detailed than that if you're going to do this the right way. I love that Zach talked about debt making you go faster. That analogy is so good. I told you the story at the beginning of the episode about when I was in a band selling t-shirts, but it's the truth. Debt lets you go faster but it doesn't make you drive any better. And the truth is that like, you're not in a race against anybody. I love that he hit that. Like, you know, obviously you're trying to do the best job that you can when there's opportunity, you want to seize it. But if you're a company that grows slow, you are going to grow in such a robust way. And there's a difference between growing and scaling your company. Growing is if the market happens to be really good, if there's something that's kind of outside your control that hits you, then it's like all hands on deck. We're just holding on trying to ride this thing out. I'm not against that. That's amazing. Like take it when you can get it. But scaling is when you grow on purpose, when you when you put infrastructure and foundations into your business and you say, you know what? Adding this person will allow us to grow by 10% next year or 15% next year and then 15% the year after that. When you grow slowly, man, you're a force to be reckoned with. The problem is when when growth is all about speed, it's kind of like when you're a little kid building a treehouse. I don't know if you were like me, but when we were building a treehouse and I was a little kid, it's like we'd, we'd get up a tree and we'd say, well, we can build two floors. You know what? Well, we can build another floor. Oh yeah, we have some more wood. We can build another floor. And pretty soon you're, the tree's getting smaller and smaller and smaller as the floors are getting higher and higher and higher. You can't run your business that way because you're going to get to a point where there's not enough tree and the business topples. Too many people are operating their business by walking on the edge of a cliff and just hoping that the wind doesn't blow too hard. 
that may have gotten you this far, but man, I would not trust the future of your business with the logic that's taking you there. At some point, you got to build infrastructure, and that's what they're talking about. So I'm going to give them a plug. So Barncat Financial is something that you can take advantage of. They offer everything from bookkeeping services all the way up to a virtual CFO. And one of the things that they told me is for any of our listeners that take advantage of their services, they're going to get 10% off for the first three months. So if you want to go to barncatfinancial.com and schedule a discovery call, if you end up working with them, you'll get 10% off for the first three months. Just let them know that you're a podcast listener. And I'll tell you guys selfishly, most businesses don't have the capacity to do this on their own. Everybody thinks like, oh yeah, I should make a scoreboard. I should do this. I should do that. The truth is if you were going to do it, you would have done it by now. It is worth investing in someone outside to build this for you. You know, hire them and say, hey, I need a scoreboard to be built. Allow them to build you a financial scoreboard and then you can start to operate on it. So it's really simple. You can go to barncatfinancial.com and it's... And I hope that regardless of what you decide to do, this gave you insight into what to look for in an accountant. This is one of the most important things that you can do in your company, especially if you're getting ready to sell it. So you got to start putting things in play right now for your future. One of the things that's tough, if you're a business listening to this that's you know over 55 years old, you've got to be thinking about succession planning. And the truth is that most businesses in our industry are worth very little. And the reason why is that it doesn't matter what the business does in top line revenue. If the owners are pulling every penny out of it, so they don't have to pay taxes. Well, on paper, your business is worth nothing. And that means that a bank is not going to lend on that because the business makes no money on paper. And because the owners haven't actually been investing in systems and people and processes, they've been trying to just milk everything out themselves Well, the business relies on them. So if they leave the business, there's no one to run it. There's no one to do anything. So it doesn't matter what top line revenue comes in. If someone's buying a business, what are they buying? They're not buying anything. You can change that by starting right now with a financial scoreboard, paying taxes on your earnings the way that you need to, leaving money in the business, and putting in a management team. Even if your company's five people, a management team could be one person that does your job for you as an owner. Now your business is worth something to sell. This is going to be a topic that we discuss more and more and more because I'm telling you, our industry is, we are just about to the edge of a cliff and we have to figure out what we're going to do with succession planning and making sure that businesses transfer to the next generation. So with that said, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. If this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can go to the website patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's patreon.com slash it's fire time. And you can contribute whatever you would like monthly. We are so thankful for the people and companies that are helping support this podcast. I'm going to shout out Napoleon again. They're a company that that believes in this content. They're doing amazing things with their innovation and product development, but they're also supporting efforts like this to grow our industry. So thank you for that. My hope for you guys is that this season so far has been a blessing for you and that personally it's making you change the way that you think and operate. So with that, I hope you guys have an amazing rest of the week. Be a blessing to the people that you serve and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, it's Firetime 
gmail.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.